Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer with its fast, flexible, secure, and low-cost solutions. Businesses across the world can pay and get paid globally. Visit Payoneer.com now. Also by Caliber. It's the easiest, most convenient way to get hired. Caliber Tailor fits the perfect job for you based on your unique skills. Hire the best people for your company at www.caliber.com and use the promo code HUSTLESHARE. Caliber, where jobs find you. And Chatbot PH. Save time and effort for your business. Automate how your team does customer service, marketing, and key redundant processes. All by using a chatbot. Invest in your own chatbot now and use AI to run your business. Go to www.chatbot.ph. So it was not intentional, but if I ever fail again in life, it's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a flight out, get get somewhere else and start again and not think about it too much because everything just got so busy and everything just got amazing again. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Baitiong. Welcome to episode 55 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Payoneer, a digital payment platform that provides online money transfer, empowering businesses around the world to grow globally. 
We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that there's a lot of adult language said in this podcast, so make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today, we're going to be talking to a girl boss, and her name is Bhavna Suresh, the CEO of Lamudi Philippines. And today, Bhavna is going to be sharing a very unique hustle because she started out as an immigrant in Oman. And she's going to tell us what her early hustles were, like being a Red Bull girl while studying in college. Bhavna is also going to be sharing with us her early hustles as an employee when she graduated after college and how it was like being part of a startup that got acquired. She will also share her journey being a first-time entrepreneur on her own and what ultimately led to the failure of her first startups and the biggest mistakes she made while running that. Bhavna is also going to be sharing the reason why she moved all the way to the Philippines and what it was like moving out here to lead the Lamudi Philippines group. And last but definitely not the least, Bhavna is also going to be sharing how she was able to lead Lamudi Philippines after she took over as CEO. And stick around till the end because Bhavna's going to be sharing tips for expats working in the Philippines and lastly for women and how they can break through the glass ceiling. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Lamudi Philippines, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are right in the middle of Ayala Avenue right now. As you can see what I see, this is like the most amazing corporate view you'll see out there. And today we have a guest that's very, very impressive. And prior to record, press, pressing the record button, we were already talking about like common denominators about us and just talking about her hustle. But before I get too carried away, welcome to the show. Bhavna Suresh of Lamudi. Hi, Ron. You Woo! said my name right. There you go. Yay. I, nah, I don't want to murder because uh, <laughs> I always get murdered. My name gets murdered. My last name is not a normal Filipino name. Uh-huh. And people get just butcher it all the time. But you just said my first name right. So that's like kudos the whole way. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did I murder the last name? Or? No, no. You got okay. it pretty well. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right. Awesome. So Bhavna, just like every other episode that we've done here we've this is going to be episode 55 if i'm not mistaken bhavna what's your hustle oh man that's such a hard thing to say my hustle Uh my true hustle is being authentic let's say that wow what is that deep um i think you can only hustle when you're being yourself and your true true self uh hustle can get really exhausting i think in today's day and age, hustle is cool. And, you know, it's it's a word that everybody drops. Uh, yep. Everybody wants to be part of the hustle. Hustle porn. We call yeah. it hustle porn. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's if you're not hustling, you're not doing something, right? Yep. Uh, hustle with whatever, work or lifestyle or whatever mm. it is, right? You need to be part of this race. Right. But I think when you're doing something that is true to you, it doesn't right. feel too exhausting anymore. Correct. And that is something I've learned. Got it. But on, on a normal... Was by staying true. Mm-hmm. What do you do on a day-to-day basis just for the benefit of the people who, who don't... I mean, I've, I've done the intro by now. Yeah. But how do you stay true to being uh, you while running Lamudi here in the Philippines? 
I mean, what is Lamudi, right? I think right. Lamudi is all of us. It is not me or the idea or our clients. It's the entire piece that comes together. Mm-hmm. So um, what I do, and it's hard, right? I think it's hard for anybody young to come in and try running something. It, it. it does start getting a little lonely and it does start getting a little difficult. Yep. But I think for anybody out there trying to run something, you need right. to realize that when I say be authentic, it meant... I just don't take myself too seriously anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. When you're, when you're trying to build something, sometimes you just get so strung up in the idea and what's coming and people right. talking to you. Mm-hmm. I think the minute you stop taking yourself too seriously and say, okay, I'll get shit done. Yep. And everybody who's involved in this journey is just right. as important. Okay. I that- think everything becomes chill, more chill. Absolutely. Now, just like any other episode as well, we have an imaginary time machine that we okay. have to wrap. Uh, I, I like to imagine it's a big spaceship, just like a Thor spaceship. And uh-huh. we're going to go back in time and go back to your early hustles. You're not from here. Where were you? Where did you originate, originate from? And what were the early hustles that you had to go through? <laughs> so I was born to a middle class Indian family of middle class beautiful Indian family. Which city did you grow up in? Because India is pretty big. Yeah, so I didn't grow up in India. I grew up in Oman. So Oman, I grew up in the Middle East. Middle East, yes. right? When the, my uncle used to work in Oman and he used to give me a lot of uh, really good stories of how the Arabs, you know, run and, 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 and it's very tight-knit and it's beautiful there, they say, but there's not too much stuff to do, they said. Yeah, so the way I would say it is I was Born and brought up in like a very protected environment. Oman's wow. beautiful, very rustic. Right. I went back recently after 10 years. Wow. I feel like nothing has changed. No way. <laughs> I feel like nothing has like changed. Like a time machine, like, oh, this is where I left off. Yeah, I was like, it looks like the shop next to home still exists and nothing about the shop has changed. I was like, how what? has time not touched this place? So yeah, that's Oman. So very protected, right. very... Very small community, but beautiful, comfortable life. I think it's a good place Oil. for a child That's to grow up. That's the only thing. Oil. <laughs> it's not a very rich country. Okay. So it's one of the poorer of the Middle Eastern countries. Right, right. So again, very modest, I want to say. True. It was not too flashy and it was not Dubai. Got it. But still, they're in but a region. But still oil. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how was it like go- growing up there? Because you, obviously, you you had the privilege of, you know, being exposed to an international community. Uh-huh. How, how did that change your perspective in how you grew up? So again, if you go back to a regular Indian family, right, it's the same for OFWs here, right? For Chilke kids who don't potentially live here, but come back here once a year for a holiday. Mm. So your true identity, I feel like a lot of us had a bit of identity crisis. Oh, Because a lot of our circles were Indian. You know, it was the Indian community that was together. So Got we it. grew up in this sheltered place where you saw all different nationalities. Okay. But once a year, you had to go back to India to visit your family. Diwali. <laughs> By the way, belated happy Diwali. <laughs> it's, it's this weekend. So it's, okay. it's right, in, just in time for Diwali. Okay, okay. Thank you. Yeah, but like different things. So it was summer, December. But you know, there was that always, that tie back to India always. Right. So I feel like most kids growing up in the Middle East or outside, there's okay. always this, where do I belong? Or do uh, I belong everywhere? Right. So I, had a, I have a friend yeah. that's also from an Indian descent that told me, his name is Michael Dargani. Mm-hmm. It's actually, uh, okay, by, by now, you already know that he's my potential investor <laughs> in uh, the final pitch because I'm okay. part of the, the show. Sure. And he mentioned to me that growing up as an Indian here in the Philippines, he was like a double immigrant because 
of course there's discrimination over how you know because you're different yeah. going here and then when he studied abroad in the in the states he mentioned that my passport is filipino yeah. but i look indian yeah so now people are confused where the hell do you belong and yeah. where do I, the hell do i belong was is that the same kind of thing so my passport is indian i think there was no question about me being indian okay. uh I am. I am as true blood an Indian as it comes. Yep. Uh, but I do think when 15 years of your childhood is spent... So my first 15 years was in Oman. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just when you go back home, you see people, you see family, you don't connect with them as much. No? Wow. There, there are quite a bit of differences there. Got it. So it's interesting. Yeah, you don't really belong here, but you don't belong there. So yeah. Got it. Now, in terms of how that molded you, uh, in hindsight... Did that prepare you for for like future endeavors? Because now you're in the Philippines and whatnot. But you know, did, did having that void and how you resonated and how you conquered that void did that help you down the road? I don't. I don't see. I don't think of it as a void at all. Right. Okay. It's it's just it's just something that I mean. At 15, there was no way I would identify with it. I think yeah. now that I'm older, looking back, I would call it call it this crisis of where I belong. But uh-huh. at that point, no, I had a very comfortable nice childhood got it um, but that being said after after two, after 2004 got it I haven't I don't think I've lived in one city more than two and a half years in my life wow so I have to how be long have you been here in the Philippines three years so Philippines has oh, been my there longest, you go <laughs> that's what I was getting to but wow. Philippines has been, has been my longest stint after that nice I, I hope you stay for longer more right yeah I mean, 17 is, more years <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> hey, but yeah, traffic. it it you you'll eventually waste seventeen years up your lap because <laughs> of the stupid traffic that we have here. But you know, I, I'll I'll ask you more later what sure. what you think from an expat's point of view as sure. well. Uh, working here in the Philippines as you do. So okay, what was your first hustle that you remember that that you did? My first hustle, like so, you don't mean like a full time job, right? Yeah, anything that required grit and grind to, to get through. So. I was always a little too uh, restless. I never did one thing. I always had to have a few hustles. So like every summer, I needed to make my own money. So I moved out of my parents' house when I was 15. No way. And after that, I would not say they didn't provide me financially. But I was just always, I wanted to make my own money. Wow. So I always had like something going on. So you, I would have like an internship and like a summer job. Wow. And, like out. and you moved out. Like you didn't go back anymore after No, that. so I moved back to India. So at 15, I kind of said, I want to go to where I belong and where I come from. And I had this huge like, I'm going to go back to my motherland conversation with myself at 15. Wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, back then it sounded really cool. And it sounded like the thing right. that was my calling. So I went back to India. And okay. yeah. It was interesting. Left your family in Oman. Yeah, so my parents continued living in Oman, and I'm wow. their only child. So I packed my bags, went back to a city where my grandmom lived, but I okay. lived in a separate house. Wow. And it alone? Was, yep. That's scary. close by, close by, but it was still, great. It was still. It was great. Wow. I mean, you know, so you you. I mean, imagine from a very protective environment right. in Muscat, you kind of go back to and then India's a, it's beautiful. Right. But it's a hustle. Like right. everything is a hustle in India. So can you can you deep give, give, give us a, why why is it a hustle? I mean, in Oman, my pet, my dad would pick me up and drop me everywhere I wanted. There was an air conditioned car. There was a right. there was a there was a bus that was beautiful that dropped me to school every day. Right. 
and moving back to India was I needed to figure it out. Like I had wow. never used public transportation in my life, and here and I was. How public transport back then? Terrible. <laughs> okay. So it's I mean I mean I would say it's exactly like Manila. So there's quite a bit of I enjoy the hustle and I enjoy the crowd and I enjoy the confusion, but it took a while for me to learn it. Right. So that that's it. Getting acclimated to the motherland. Yeah. Again. You know, just getting thrown like in the deep end, and it was scary, but it was amazing. Got it. But were the your parents still supporting you at that point? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, my, right. like they would call me five times a day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "Are you still alive? Wow. Is everything okay?" Wow. Yeah. But. From that point, what did you realize, and how did you 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 had to hustle more for sure because now you're way outside of your comfort zone, right? And though there's still semblance of you know guidance, but dude, you're on your own, right? I and mean, but I always had the back. It's not like my parents abandoned me; they were there, right? right? Like of course, it was of always course. A, if I messed up, daddy yeah. was there. Okay, <laughs> got it. But of course, I had too much pride to mess up. <laughs> that is amazing. So, what did you do next? You went back. Did you work? Did you? Because uh, I, I looked at your link and you you did Isaac, right? And that <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, shout out before the episode uh, started. There's one Isaac product that worked for me. Or worked with me as an intern that eventually worked here in Lamudi. His name is Christopher Watin. Uh-huh. A couple of years back, I don't know where he is now, but he did. When he went back here after he interned me, he was a French guy. Uh-huh. You know, looked like Obama. Uh-huh. So every time I look presidential, every time I'm around, I'm around uh-huh. him. He went back here, and then you know, and he's a product of Isaac, uh-huh. and I have nothing but respect for that guy. So how was the Isaac experience? Uh, I, I mean, it was great. I met a lot of like-minded people right. and students. But it's, it's at least back in the day where I came from, it was work, but it was a big party. Got it. <laughs> right? It was great. At, at 17, it was fantastic. But <laughs> I had a little more that I wanted. So okay. I had engineering school by then. I had ISAC, which was great because I met fantastic people my age. The parties were great. Right. So the but parties yeah. really, I think that's what Christopher wanted. But then, but then I also had like right. a job that paid me on the side. So yeah. Got it. So now let's talk about that part where side hustle, mm-hmm. right? What was, you had Isaac, you had school, which is you took up, what did you take up? Engineering. Engineering. I was a, I'm a mechanical course. engineer. M-E. Yep. What? <laughs> and then what the, what would the side hustle was? So the one that paid me amazing amount of money was I was a Red Bull girl. Um, a Red Bull girl. Yeah. I was, and I was the one who could drive that car around. So it was not a very easy car to drive. Oh my, yeah, the one with the fucking can? Yeah. And uh, it just paid so well. But wow. I, I was I was the designated driver. I could drive distances. <laughs> I was the mechanical engineer. I did like, I was in charge of all the cars, oh, which fuck. meant it paid me really well. Wow. So for, for an 18, 19 year old to have that kind of money, it was quite... Wow, I'm just blown away. That's a Red Bull girl. You have Isaac. How many hats did, did you wear in that then? And then how did that turn now into a proper hustle after you graduated? What was the first hustle you did? You did Mahindra. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So Mahindra is an, an automobile company yep. in India. Um, they had that PBA team here. At exactly, one yeah. yeah. I was really surprised about it. Right. Uh, like, but oh, yes. Mahindra. Exactly <laughs> okay. that Mahindra. So right, it's one right. of the biggest automobile companies in India. Right. 
of course mechanical engineering got recruited red bull girl to yeah. mahindra girl real quick <laughs> yeah and i went in and i was like okay let's do this i got okay. recruited the way they recruit is they recruit in hundreds right so you're f- you're a fresh grad you mm-hmm. go in like cattle right so you just go straight in um, right they basically wanted me to become be part of the corporate office so we went through like a few months of training you get trained on the product mm-hmm. you know you know how to pull out a car and all yep. of that Uh, then they wanted me to go into process, wow. which meant I'm a woman going to process. You can't be on the field. And then I fought my way through. Um, wow! And the person who fought my fought their way with me was right. is my now husband. Uh, wow! So yeah, it was great. You know, I was their first uh, woman field officer. Wow! So you did sales here. So you've been on the field. How is that hustle like? Because my main hustle too. If you just rid me of all my other skills and whatnot the one thing that's going to be left is sales and persuasion you coming from an me and being a red bull girl how did that help <laughs> you with this job so this was not a sales job this was a hardcore operations job i was in okay. charge of service stations which means i was given a territory and every mahindra service station in that area was mine which meant the pnl of the service station i was in charge of hundreds of mechanics Wow. So uh, yeah, it was not a sexy job, but it was a but fantastic dude, job. That 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 amount of power with such a young age. Yeah. Such a big responsibility. That would scare a lot of people. And if yeah. you don't have the right integrity and the right discipline, you'd fuck that up. So I truly think I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was one of these Yeah, I mean, it was very hard for a normal person to have a conversation with me and knock some sense into me. Right. I knew something needed to be done. I yeah. would walk up to 50-year-olds and be like, you're doing a wrong move. Wow. And like, <laughs> no inhibitions at all, which wow. I think with age has come. But at that point, I had no idea what I was How doing. did you garner respect? Because I'm pretty sure in, in, yeah. the, in the automotive industry, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of young and seniority that will, will come into play. Yeah. How did you garner respect coming in that you're a youngin coming in and then like, yo, move away. Don't do that 50-year-old. <laughs> right? You know, I'm actually friends with all of them even now. Oh, um, wow. It just worked. I feel like they realized that it came from a pure place. The intentions yeah. were not bad. Okay. That I wanted to help getting things done. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the noise didn't reach me at all. Right? I was so, wow. I had no idea whether they were angry with me or did not like what I was doing. I kept doing it. And I think when they saw results... Got it. They helped. Yeah. Then after this, did you do any other hustle? Because you did 22 feet in Henkel. Yeah. Um, it was this, and again, this is business development matter to what you said here in LinkedIn. But is it a totally different thing in in, in real life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because after Mahindra, which was like a huge corporate, um, okay. like a startup founder found me and wow. moved me on to like the best part of my life, I think, which was moved me away from corporate, yes. took me into his startup gig. Uh-huh. He was starting up uh-huh. great people. Mm-hmm. Those two years was, I mean, it was, it was like tasting blood, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was the turn from corporate and saying, I will never, ever, ever step foot in corporate in my right. life again. It's it, it just so liberating. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, I got pulled in and put into a space where there were creative people, driven right. people, young people, mm-hmm. no hierarchy, just, yeah. Yep, flat. They are, that, that's common among, but the pace was crazy. But it was, I mean, I never had an issue with pace. So Got I it. think it was fine for me. Learned right. a lot. Exactly. Um, 
yeah, we were really young, grew very quickly. When I left, we had actually got acquired by DDB Group. So I had also seen an exit. What? So, you know, I saw that kind of insane growth and it was just a high for and me. And DDB, well, yeah, wow, yeah. that's a big, big multinational yeah, yeah, uh, agency. It was, that's it, was it was really quick growth. That is amazing. All right, now let's, before we continue, let's take a break. And then uh, sure. when we come back, let's do a deep dive over how you did your hustle now and how you're doing Lamudi and the leadership skills you've learned <laughs> and how you want to be able to pay that forward more. But more of that after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Bhavna Suresh. Oh, I did, I did that right. I didn't fuck it up. <laughs> right? Because um, again, I have the tendency to murdering names, but I'm glad I'm doing this right. Hopefully in the ne- next try, I don't mess it up because I've been two for two now. Okay, so Bhavna, before the break, you, you told us about the hustle you did, being a Red Bull girl and whatnot. Now let's talk about when you went to France. Uh-huh. Bonsoir, bonjour, right? <laughs> why, why did you go back to, why did you go to France and what, what, what led you there? So when I was done with 22 Feet, which was the startup, um, right. we'd got acquired by a corporate firm, which means we were going to become a little corporate. I think that right. was my exit point. So you didn't want to go through that? I was also young. I didn't want to stay somewhere too long. How I said, long? How, how old were you? Two. Oh, wait, so how old was I? I think yeah. I was 24. Four, yeah. yeah, that's right smack of like quarter life crisis that people <laughs> say. Right? Yeah, so I, I was in my second gig and I was like, okay, I've done this. It's great. What next? Okay. Um, I was getting out of India. I think Got I'd it. spent different cities, but enough time. And I was like, okay, now I want to go back out. Okay. Uh, it was business school time. 
and okay. I'd made a little money from our exit. Nice. Uh, so I was like, okay, it's time to go somewhere. Wow. And um, yeah, and I looked at a bunch of business schools, met a few people. I was just not getting the vibe at all. Got it. And then I happened to meet a few people from HSA. Ah. And there was just something about it. Like it was it was love at first. Got it. Vibe or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean there was no thinking twice. I applied right. and the process is really quick. So wow. within three weeks I got admitted and I was like, Oh wow. It's and you're it's- doing innovation. What about innovation? Well what 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 is innovation as a job description? What do you mean by I was doing you mean at business school? Uh, I mean, in Henkel, or, or talking about two separate things. So like Henkel that. was a project at business school. Ah. So it's just, you know, when you move to business school, got you get, a, get thrown into different things. Got it. I got Henkel, which was a nice. few months of me working with their teams. Yeah, That is amazing. And how was business school in France? And what was the perspective? Did that change the, the whole... Again, these, these are layers of yeah. new things that are being piled onto you that makes you a better person, right? Yeah. And how was that like? So for me, and this I mean from the bottom of my heart, any entrepreneur who can afford to go to business school should. Wow. And really? I know it goes against popular belief. And Yeah. Uh, but for me, I started my company, my first company at business school two months into school. Wow. So uh, Style Bank was born out of business school. Yes. It was born because I, I got stuck with this idea and I went to business school and it was it was like a brain worm. It just, everything, everybody spoke to me. It was just this idea that kept coming out. And I think business school was a great place to start a business because I didn't have to make my financial plans. I had help. Got you know, it. anything that I needed help with, there were people from that industry. There were great professors. There were there was my dean. You know, that right. we had access to investors. So it was... Wow. It was great. In school? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Because here, <laughs> good luck trying to get access to investors here in the Philippines. And the thing is, uh, that's why I'm always curious about how it's like with, with people had overseas... Um, education yeah. because I only got to taste the local version and I didn't get enough. I get yeah. no shade to my school. I love them to death but I had to go out and learn from the school of hard knocks yeah. which is harder because there's no <laughs> fucking curriculum. <laughs> you gotta like try and try, trial and error all the, things, all the time but what did you, what's the value proposition or the problem that you're trying to solve with Style Bank back then and how did you grow that? So when I was packing to go to business school, right. I was that's when I saw my wardrobe, right? I, I looked at it and I was like, why do I have nine black dresses that look the same? You know, and it's not even like I have that money to kind of spend and blow but up. But isn't an LBD like a necessity for women? <laughs> it is, it is, exactly. But you know, when you have nine of the same things, you're just ah. like, why do I have so much? Is it because I have access to such cheap like products okay. you know i mean I'm, I'm 25 year old i don't have that money to spend but here i am dropping money buying these again and again right, and right. i had a kind of, and that's when i realized why am i accumulating so much Got so it. i think that was when it kind of kicked in and mm-hmm. i carried that thought to business school and then everything that i did any accounting class i took any strategy class i took it would be this example that kept coming out Got and it. i think it was one of my professors who sat me down and said listen You know, you need to realize you've got the syndrome, which means this is the only thing you talk about. You're boring people. So do something about it, you know, because if you say shared closet one more time, like somebody's going to kill you. (laughs) Not true because it it just resonates. Yeah. Anything, any, 
like i would just find an excuse to start talking about it and it was it was just very obvious that i had like to i imagine it. you going to the club like yeah you know what's your name yeah you know i have nine little lbds <laughs> right now. yeah why do why do i own these many you know i should just start renting my clothes like I don't someone's trying to hit on you and you're talking about all your nine lbds and i am a hundred percent sure that has happened I, I guarantee that has oh, happened. Oh man, that is crazy. So okay, what did you do? The passion is there. It's you're telling everybody about this. How did you build the company from that point? So I mean, these were peers and like colleagues that I was talking to. But then I started seriously talking to uh, seasoned investors who yeah. I had access to, and I started running the idea past them. I started building business plans. Okay. Uh, did it for some time. I actually built plans kind of rolled out operations, found myself, convinced my business partner that she was the right person to do this with me. Wow. She had worked with me at 20 to feet and was, she's a, she's a fashion person. I'm not, wow. I'm a business person. So yeah. I said, I will handle the boring business stuff, yep, but yep. you have to take care of the whole fashion. The swag. Piece. Yeah, because that yeah. I don't understand. Got um, it. So convinced her, got her on board. She loved the idea. She wanted to do it. Damn. Along this whole process, the one person that I was talking to was this very seasoned investor who chose to invest in us. Okay. And, you know, it all just fell together. Yeah. So the next thing I know, I was taking business school. I had a full-time internship and I was running a business. So, again, I was back to doing a bunch of things, living yeah. in Paris. Yeah. But no Red Bull this time. No, 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 no Red, Red Bull. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a teacher's assistant that there did you pretty well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at some, some point uh, down there when you're back uh, up in Paris, it's like, where is the Red Bull company? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they pay well. They pay right? well, but yeah, like, being a teacher's assistant pays pretty all right. Okay, well. cool. So at yeah. least that's a good, good, good yeah. consolation yeah. <laughs> for the Red Bull gig. Okay, now in terms of how you built this, this is where I resonate the most mm-hmm. too. I, I, I can relate because I've been there, I know what it feels. How did you grow your company, or Style Bank, uh, to 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 the, its biggest, um, you know, milestones and whatnot? Because again, first time entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and they don't say it out loud, but the, the degree of failure for first time entrepreneurs are higher. Yeah. Than any other yeah. I, It took me second tries, but in my first try, I had almost near death experiences <laughs> so many times that it it felt like a new startup every single time I did it. <laughs> yeah. Right? How, how was that for you? I mean, I think there was passion. There was no doubting that there was passion. That was, Got it. Uh, it was the only thing I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. I moved back to Bangalore where we. So after running this for a year away in Paris, we, I moved back once I was done with business school. Okay. So did not sit in any placements, nothing. I said, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. A massive student loan alongside. I, wow. I moved back to India. And uh, yeah, we got ground running, you know, fully with operations. Did you raise funding aside yeah. from the, yeah. the we had We had a French? couple. Yeah. Oh, wow. We okay. had a couple of investors on board. Mm-hmm. and But this is very early stage, right? This is... Uh, the first few months, honestly, I think we were stuck with what we wanted. So the okay. clothes we wanted, the ones that we would kind of borrow. Right. So it was our circles mm-hmm. and it was not the mass. Everybody in our circles could afford to buy it themselves. Yeah. And it was a whole new concept, right? Got it. What we needed to cater to was a very different market. And in mm. our head, it's that normal founder dilemma where you don't want to kind of pivot. Yes. And you're so young and you're so stubborn, you don't want to move. Uh, that's and then, me. <laughs> you know, and I think that is classic. I mean, that's what we did. I think yeah. there was no proof of concept. We went ground running with something and we, we were very stubborn and didn't kind of. Yeah. Or that was me. Sorry. I, I was like, you're telling, oh man, that was five, me, five years ago. Yep, that's me right there. Because you're so passionate and you don't want to listen to yeah. any type of advice or 
feedback that would fucking shit on your yeah. on your idea. So how did shit hit the fan? So we did it for six months. I I mean, you know, we kind of ran it the way. So there was one year of setting up and groundwork and all of that, right? Creating okay. the product and all of that. Then when it was time to open up to the market, our initial circles adopted it and took to it. But then we needed random people to t- click to it. And that was not happening as organically. Got it. So then six months in, we realized, okay, something needs to change. It's time. Yeah. And I think we went just, we dropped prizes. We went, we went into that whole prize war game. It was uh, very difficult. So I think we made, I mean, looking back, multiple, multiple mistakes, but right. why not? What was the final nail in the coffin that you think that led it to the final, like the death blow per se? So we went in saying that, hey, you know, it's a proof of concept. Right. If you see organically, people were not clicking to it and they wanted something else. They wanted a luxury segment piece, which is yeah. what we didn't want to do. Okay. So we knew that if we wanted to make this work, we kind of shift to that. Mm-hmm. And we basically had a conversation with our investors, with us, and say, hey, this is not a sustainable piece, and this is not something that's going to grow really quickly. It's going to take a lot of capital. We're not passionate about it as much. And it was just, okay, let's not kind of infuse more funds and burn more money. Okay. Let's call it quits. Two years, two, two and a half years. Now, let's talk about the hard part. Yeah. Because I lost everything. Eight yeah. years of fucking hustle everything. Yeah. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I had to go through it. Still now, I whenever I did that moment came that I'm fucked, I'm dead. Yeah. Still rubs me more than anything in terms of like, I, 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 I go to tears sometimes because it's so painful. Yeah. How was that for you and how did you bounce back from that? I mean, it was really hard. Um, I mean, I was broke. I was 27. I had a massive student debt. I had no money because everything had gone into the business. I was not drawing a salary. Uh, My friends out of business school had fancy jobs and were living the life. And here I was. I was like, what the hell did I do? And did I make a mistake? Uh, Yeah, it was really hard. I would say the last straw was extremely hard like i remember days where both of us would just sit in an empty office and we'd be like holy shit how are we gonna fix this now and yeah but life it's life it turns around really quickly okay now let's talk about the redemption story how did you end up in lamudi (laughs) and prior to lamudi have you ever been in this side of the world before and what drew you here how did you get the lamudi opportunity and how did you because one thing that goes away aside from you know, and tell me if you felt this too. The mo- one of the most important things a founder will always have is self-confidence. Mm-hmm. When something feels like that, that's shattered into pieces. Yeah. Like pulboron. I don't know if you know yeah. what a pulboron yeah. is. Yeah. It looks like a pulboron. <laughs> yeah, it just... Right? Shattered into tiny bits of pieces. I was... My confidence was the only thing I hang my head on was shattered. How is that for you and how do you pick that up? And... And... Build it back, especially with this Lamudi opportunity. I mean, I think I've always not held on to things too long. I've yeah. literally that's been my saving grace. I think nice. I, um, I, I didn't say I wasn't hurt. I was very hurt. My confidence was broken. I had full never. Well, or yeah, yeah. Full. I had said okay. there was. It took a long time for me. I mean, even today, if you ask me if I would start something on my own all over again, I'm almost there. I would say yes, uh, but it's taken a while, right? right. So. At that point, I was like, never, ever, ever, ever again. This is it. I would never start at something again. I knew I was employable. I knew somebody would kind of hire me. I was still young. So, yeah. So, I was not worried about money or I wasn't. I think I was heartbroken. 
I would say. Yes. It, it, it was like worse than a breakup. Like I've broken Ooh. up a few times, but this was this was more painful than a breakup. And I, to, I always tell people what it feels like. Imagine you have 20 employees. You're breaking up with them yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. It's like Jon Snow when he got stabbed. I don't <laughs> you, like, you know, that's it. Yeah. And you get you just you can't move and it just scars you for life. Yeah. For life. Yeah. That at the end of the day, you know, well like whenever like I get flashed like, oh shit, this I've seen this before. I I, I get paranoid, like, okay, I I shouldn't yeah. uh, if I do this, I know. But that's also my saving race because I went through that, yeah. now I know what to do. Yeah. I have a holy book of fuck ups <laughs> that I go, oh, yep, that Article 75. Don't fuck the shit up. <laughs> That's what yeah. I do. So, okay. How did you get the Lamudi opportunity and what was it like moving out here? <laughs> it was really quick. I think like everything else in my life, nothing, it was not planned. Wow. Uh, it came along and I said yes. Um, yeah. So when we kind of wrapped up, kind of wound down operations, I said, okay, now I need to find a job. Okay. Um, kind of, I think it happened in 48 hours. I'm not lying. Um it was one of those things. I didn't interview too many people anywhere. I didn't do anything. I kind of opened myself up because I went to a European business school. Got it. Rocket Internet is a European company. They always had my CV. Um, yep. I remember writing to my current boss. I basically applied. I saw this role and I said, why not? It didn't say wow. any country. It said nothing. It just said Lamudi, co-founder, managing director, role. Do you want to look at it? I said, sure. Clicked. I went to sleep. I remember this. I was still at office and I slept at office that night. Yep. It was one of those things I clicked, went to sleep. Next morning, I have an email from him. So I've woken up and I have an email from him saying, hey, do you want to talk at like this time? Which was two hours away from where right. I'd woken up, got on a call, had three, four conversations. Next thing I know, I was on a flight to meet him. Within a week, I was in the Philippines. Wow. So it was really, really quick. But yeah. <laughs> that's great you didn't even have to heal and lick your wounds at all I really didn't and I think that was amazing because I took all of that energy and I came and started and I'm again sur I'm, su I'm surprised you even had the energy because again you, you're just a hollow piece of whatever <laughs> that, that's how I felt yeah I didn't whenever I saw people that I knew I, it was so heartbreaking it was not, I felt like it wasn't me even right because you know you're the, you're hardest on yourself, but it's probably helped that it's a ch change of scenery. That's a totally different thing. So it was not intentional, but yeah. if I ever fail again in life, it's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a flight out, get get somewhere else, and start again, and got not it. think about it too much because yeah. everything just got so busy and everything just got amazing again. That got it. I didn't within have, within I didn't have time whatever, to yeah. yeah. Okay, now how was it coming here? When you joined Lamudi, Lamudi was already here, right? Yeah. And what was that role coming in here and then how did you acclimate? Again, similar to how you did the Mahindra gig, there's some people here already prior to you, yeah. right? And I, I am very familiar with the Rocket Internet uh, culture yeah. because I've worked in one oh, wow, back okay. then in Groupon. Okay. Uh, again, Groupon is a dead did <laughs> rocket child right? but I know the culture and this is not a lot of people can thrive in it because it requires a certain DNA yeah. to thrive in this thing yeah. how did you acclimate here and what was the leadership style you brought with all the learnings that you got from that failure so when I came in Jackie who was the previous managing director the right. person who I took over from ah, she was I think she's the one who worked with Chris Watine yes. back then got it All right. right. and she's fantastic so she was right. here we actually got to spend two months together so oh. it was not like a drop in the deep end and let her go 
Got it. Uh, she was great. We spent two months together. She kind of got me caught up with everything. It was a 55-member team then. Wow. Uh, we were still in early days. So I think the way we looked at it was she kind of set the base and started okay. up. The challenge for me, which was exciting, was my job was to grow the business. Yeah. Um, and that was not something I'd That's ever done That's a real CEO before. hat there, too. Both, yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things that I, I knew I could do the startup piece, which was starting ground up because yeah. I'd done it. Yeah. This was a whole different challenge, which means right. there are these many people, there's a process, there's something already and kind of build off it. So it was exciting. Yeah. But I mean, for me, I truly think it was, she was there and she kind of gave me like a startup piece. And of course, her style and mine were very, very different. Of course. Uh, but I think there was that mutual respect, you know, there was yeah. no... I didn't come in saying I will fire everybody and start again. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people do that, right? They come in and yeah, they want to create. Slate, yeah, I think for me it was, sometimes it's nice to say I don't know and I need help right. and let me help you. And yeah, I think that was, that was definitely what I did correct and right. All right, sounds good. So you went here for help. What was the biggest adjustment here? Because again, Philippines is not also the... You know, the, 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 they were notorious for traffic and all this crazy shit that happens all the time. Disasters left and right every once in a while. Um, what was that adjustment from, again, from France to, from Oman to France to, how was it <laughs> like here as an expat? So the traffic's never a problem. I mean, I'm from India. It's the same okay. situation. <laughs> I, you know, I was, I did the hustle back Got in India. It. So okay, okay. The traffic so. never troubled me. The pollution okay. never troubled me. It's all stuff that I'm used to. Okay. And honestly, if you live in France, okay. um, which I did, uh, people cannot be nicer in the world, <laughs> right? You know, everybody's willing to help you in the Philippines. And that yeah. was just such a refreshing change. Wow. So I don't lie when I say, I think within a week, I knew I made the right decision. Wow. And I settled in so easily. Of course, you know, there were pains and flashes of like sadness would keep coming in from my previous venture. But there was enough to do to kind of distract myself. Right. But I think Philippines was definitely my most comfortable move. What was the most profound hack that you went here? Because it's, again, it's not just all yeah. e easy yeah. stuff, no, no, right? It's not, yeah. um, what was the most profound hack that you did to overcome like a big challenge that you had to go through at the early stage when you came in? I mean, it was, see, that's the thing, right? I was 28 yeah. when I took this role up. Uh, real estate is a very old school industry. Yep. So my clients are 60 years and above and there is this child again who's come in okay. and taking over a team and I knew nothing. I knew nothing about real estate. I knew nothing about the Philippines. Yep. I knew nothing about Filipinos. Yep. You're so, John Snow pretty much. You yeah, know nothing. Was, <laughs> right there. Okay. I was nothing, right? So yeah. I was I was quite I was flying blind for a long time. Okay. But um, yeah. I, I think it was people for me. The hardest thing is how do you get people to trust you, whether right. this is your team? So yeah. I had 55 people suddenly who I was responsible for. Right. And I think that is more scary than anything in the world when suddenly you're responsible for right. people. Yeah. Exactly. And again, you have to garner respect and all the other quirks. You have to spend time and get shit done. They exactly. We have high targets for sure in a very, very competitive market. Yeah. And also a lot of competitors were left there. I don't know how many competitors. We had seven competitors at that point when I came in. Wow. Today, I don't think have any. We have one or two. Yeah. Wow. See? Because the mortality rate is <laughs> high. It is. It's very right. high. So I think, I think the answer to that was respect. Um, uh, it was really like, I know it sounds dorky to say things like this, but I think I didn't want to be liked. I'm pretty okay with not being liked. 
Got it. I think if there's respect, I am pretty okay with it. And I do do know when you're trying to lead a team, sometimes you have to do things that are not. I mean, you know, you will not be the most popular in the room. Right. But, but you yeah, got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do and do it respectfully. Got it. Now, before we take another break, what's your leadership style in in running the team? There's got to be a science behind it now because especially now you have multiple stops, yeah. you had multiple experiences, wins, losses and whatnot. It, it, the, you, through that you're always going to define what works for you and whatnot. How's you, how do you lead this team and and what are the type of people you like having around to make that happen? I think it's an evolving question. Okay. As of today, the answer to that okay. is... As um, we talked, October 25. We're recording <laughs> October 25, 2019. That's what it yeah, is. If, if you had asked me this question a year ago, I think my answer would have been different. But okay. today, I think I've come to realize that I don't like things that are comfortable. Got it. I thrive in discomfort. Um, and I think my team around me has to have specimens who are not okay with comfortable lives. You know, have yeah. to have that itch. Now, the way you solve for that itch can be your style. I truly think I have a very peculiar style of doing things. and uh, Which is? Different things. Like, you know, like sitting in silence, I will go crazy. Uh, <laughs> if I have two free days, I will be like, what? Yeah. You know, one week into a vacation, I'll be like, I need to go back to work now. It's a curse. I have that <laughs> shit too. Like, okay, what the fuck? There's a, I'm on vacation and my girlfriend is like, oh, what the fuck? Why are you working again? Like, it's part of me. Like, I can't help it. Yeah. I will call people up and that's what I'll do. You know, like right? a lot of people say, oh, work-life balance. I really, I respect it. I think people should have whatever they want. Yeah. I don't understand it. True. <laughs> I have stopped faking that work doesn't give me pleasure. It gives me the most satisfaction in the world. Exactly. And and it's, it's a gift because a lot of people will also say that, yeah, okay, I have a hustle, but it doesn't bring me joy. Yeah. You're super lucky yeah. if your hustle brings you joy. Yeah. Because that's that's it. Yeah. There now there's a flip side to that coin that you know, you can't do everything forever. Yeah. And then when that gets taken away from you, yeah. you lose. Yeah. Yeah, but again, that's how you become resilient and, and be gritty and you know, at the end of the day, find joy in what you do. It's and it's also the chase. That's that's what I love. I love the chase. Whatever it is I'm chasing. Yeah. Right? Or it's a fucking horse or whatever. <laughs> I gotta yeah. be chasing some, right? For for you is that is that similar is like I don't know it's a, I don't want to say chase and I I I hold my stance when I say this is where I am in life right now I'm not gonna say ten years later I will still love the hustle yeah. but at this point I love getting shit done there you go and uh, I do think my team has to have that at the core of it all like they need to right. get shit done now the way they get that shit done is up to them you know Got it. you can work in chaos you can work in silence you can work in in an organized manner, you can work for four hours, you can work for 20. That's up to you. Got it. All right, now let's take another break and then talk about paying it forward later on sure. uh, when we come back. But let's talk about that more after the break. Perfect. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter 
Order has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Hey, 
And we're back from the break. We're still with Bhavna Suresh. Ah, three for three. I did it. <laughs> I did it. Okay, now, Bhavna, before the break, um, we talked about, again, yeah, the leadership style and whatnot. Now let's talk about paying it forward, mm-hmm. right? Now, I've, I've listened to several women podcasts, women talks, that talk about the certain glass ceiling. Um, how did you break through that? Because again, let's call a spade a spade. I hate that this exists, but it's the reality. How, what's your advice for people that want to break through the grass ceiling? Because again, the, 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 there's just that's the parameters we're, we're, we're playing yeah. with. That's the, the, the rules of the game. But there's got to be a way to break through it. How do you break through it? I think biases are true. Uh, I think when I was younger, I said it didn't exist. Uh, I truly think as I get older, I know it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being a woman in business is very difficult. Uh, yeah. You can be the most confident, you can be the most talented, but you are outnumbered in the room. And yeah. the way you think, the way you want to apply things is not generally the most normal way of how things are done. Yeah. Uh, you know, the things that are important to you may not be the most important in the room. Right. So I do think there are multiple things that come into play and it is not easy. And for anyone who says it is, is really shitting themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of things are changing. Like for me, I enjoy being around women who are ambitious and yes. have a plan, right? It's, it's something that's new. It's mm-hmm. not something that I always enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I think as I get older, I enjoy learning and looking at more mature women who've done things and broken, broken grass ceilings in maybe more difficult times. I think it is a little more accepted these days. Got it. And there are more of us coming up and moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think it is... It is extremely true that women are pegged against each other and i think we do it to ourselves more than anybody else in the business right we we do it unconsciously i think there is this level of competition it could come from a sense of insecurity Mm. we don't know what it is right but there is women generally peg themselves against each other they get jealous they bitch about each other (laughs) which is not you know it's i don't think any of any woman wants to do it intentionally i think it's just something that happens because there's just so much pressure to do something yeah and you want to do well. Yeah, you know, you want to stand out. You want to make a difference. So right. in this whole like race to being that, I think we kind of push a lot of women out. Right. A lot of people have started talking about it, but I think it's true. You know, when you walk into a room and you meet a very powerful woman, sometimes you would call, you would look at her and you'd be like, why doesn't she smile more? Why can't she be warmer? Which is never the case with a man. You will never look at a successful man and be like, why can't he smile more? Yeah, because you, know? you look like a fucking creepy ass dude. Like right, exactly, right? There are these, there are these, like, there are these things that are set in stone the way right. people are. You know, when I work, I have my bitch face on. Mm. I have, I don't mean ill with anybody. It's just that yeah. is my face. Same. You know, and we just for me, I look at my face like, what the fuck is this? Face? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a bitch. <laughs> you know, so things like that. I think all of us just need to give each other a break yeah. mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think women are coming out and supporting each other like never before. And even in the Philippines, I think some of my strongest supporters in the real estate space are women. Wow. There is a women women real estate group. And these are very, very successful, powerful women. And they know and they understand the importance of supporting others. Yeah. And it's amazing to see. What type of skills do women need to build around that community, that support system, so that we prevent any more, you know, flashes and whatnot? Because again, that's involuntary. I think if you're conscious that oh shit, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing this and whatnot. But there's got to be skills and and real hacks to be able to 
get through that because if not, then it's going to be a rhetoric. Every, every, we're going to do it over and over again. It's not just enough that you have a support system. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it there. But there's got to be a science behind it so that we gotta we, we can help each other out, especially for women. I think the science is that the competition is not amongst women. <laughs> you know, it's not, we're not being pegged against each other. We have to, the more women go up, the more women will come up. And I think if all of us except like my team, if you look at my management team, <laughs> we're 85% women. Wow. It's not intentional. It's just natural. Like okay. for me, I will naturally kind of lean towards a woman leader who I feel like I have an equation with. And Got that's it. what's going to change, right? The more women go up, they will pull more women up. Absolutely. Now, in terms of growing a team, so you've been here for quite a while now. Lamudi and whatnot. Yeah. What's your advice for leaders who are coming into a situation where they didn't start, mm-hmm. but they have to go through that and get the job done? You know, because at the end of the day, that's always the hard part. Because you know, there's always this bias. I always just always always biases, right? Bias towards oh, who started this? My loyalty starts with you. Yeah, that's fucking. Yeah. I think it's it's immature, but you know that's that's the name the of the game. The way of life, yeah. Right. Um, how do you get the job done in these types of situations? I mean, it's even the case. It doesn't have to be a founder, right? It has to be you moving into a job yeah. that you have not been in before. Correct. I think a lot of us have. It's human tendency to go into something unknown and start picking on all the flaws. Um, I think we all do not look at the right. I think that is the first thing we need to change. We get into an unknown system and you look at, create, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, let the good hit you first. Force yourself to let the good hit you first. And then there's always time to change the bad. That is you amazing. Know? But I think that is, that, is, that is the philosophy to life. It's not the philosophy to work or being somebody in... A lot of, a lot of new managers coming into Lamudi also, it's something that we tell them, right? We'll be like, for the first one month, just try not changing anything. You know, like the world will still be here when you don't change anything for one month. Yeah. And at the end of one month, go ahead and give it your best shot. But don't come in one week and say, oh, this sucks. This needs to change. This needs to go. And I think right. as humans, we end up doing that quite a bit. Absolutely. And this, this is true because we, we always want to push our agenda. Yeah. Like, ah, fuck your shit. My shit's better. Yeah. Right. And then and that's where conflicts and lack of empathy yeah. comes in. Because if you only knew the perspective of another person, yeah. and again, half glass full, half glass empty kind of thing. Yeah. If you just chose to look at it from a different perspective, then you'll have a holistic view yeah. of, of one thing. All right, let's talk about one thing in terms of sustainability. You are a big advocate of sustainability. How do you promote sustainability in a workplace, in, 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 in life and whatnot? Because, again, everything's finite, yeah. but you need to be able to pay it back so that it grows as it, it comes, comes back. How, what's your perspective on this? I think one, it's by leading by example, right? You can't be advocating something unless you live in it completely. Um, I, I would really not say I'm a big advocate. I really believe in it now and I'm trying to make conscious efforts to change my life first. Right. Uh, yes, so I think it's the most important conversation in the world right now. I mean, I think a lot of people who are fighting for feminists, I mean, who are feminists, who are, right. you know, in any community with a cause, all of us kind of look at sustainability and realize that if we don't fix that, right. everything else we're fighting for is really useless. Exactly. So, you know, it is these communities that are coming out and talking the loudest. Right. Um, right, a thunder, Thunberg, I forgot yeah. the last name. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for me in Asia, especially, and 
I mean, going back to my parents' house, my grandmom's house. Yeah. We actually have a water crisis two years ago. Wow. We've run out of water. You know, we wow. come from a family that can afford to buy water, so we buy it externally. But for somebody who does not come from that privilege, Dude, that's the essence of, of life. You know, and it's right. it's amazing how all of us are looking away and living life like nothing's happened. Yeah. People are running out of water. I mean, it's happening in my life right now, and I'm right. like, this is scary. And something needs to be done. And it's the same case in the Philippines. I think there mm. are things hitting us. There are calamities. People are losing lives. People, right. people's daily essence has changed. But I think there's this level of sacrifice that individuals need to give that you don't want to at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's understandable, right? You can't go to somebody who takes twenty, twenty-five thousand pesos home every month and say, "Great, give everything else up and start doing this." Yeah, it's, they're on survival mode. You yeah. know, they're on survival mode. They don't care. And right. um, yeah, so things like that. I think what we're trying to do is just talk about it a little bit more. Got it. At Lamudi, we try a little bit every month. Um, mm. This is where I have a circle of influence, and these are a couple of things that I will enforce. Which means, nice. if we don't kind of use plastic, we kind of ban it as much as possible. If it's education, every time now and then we talk about it openly, and I think yeah. everybody wants to contribute. They just need to know how. Yeah, so and that's that, what it takes. You know, you gotta plant that seed and eventually nurture it so it becomes a yeah and you need to show the way I think everybody knows it's a problem exactly but if you don't know what I mean what I can not influence is not under my control so okay. yeah alright last couple questions as in what's your uh, advice for expats or people that want to move to a different situation because you've done it so smoothly so many times but there's gotta be of science behind this or I, 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 I think my science is the same one as what I said about the job piece okay. right that this applies to everything in life now and okay. I'm not an expert but I'm trying really hard and it's Got really it. but it's worked for, for you yeah it's really working yeah. for me I think and it's worked a few times so I think it is the right one right which is you go into a place and you respect what happens well there acclimate yourself yeah. don't change shit you should right. change it maybe but give it time to kind of infuse into you right like most expats that I've met here come in and they're like, oh, the traffic is shit. The, this is shit. The, this, this sucks. People don't do this. And I'm like, then why are you here? You know, like go back to where you, you were. And this applies to me, my friends, everybody, right? right? The minute we start complaining, we don't deserve to be here. Exactly. You know? So if, you've, if we've decided to move back baggage here for an opportunity, mm-hmm. you have to see the good side of the opportunity as well. And then, of course, start changing it yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Second to the last question. And I briefly told you about this prior to pressing record again in the third part. I can't imagine myself failing. And they, and then they, they say this. Entrepreneurs or startup founders are unemployable because there's a lot of ego play that comes with it. Like It's going to be hard for me to still work as a founder but work on something I didn't found. Or st- still work as CEO, but I, I didn't found per- myself, or I didn't put up, right? How do you put that aside and still to get get things done? Because, for example, you're so if someone's listening to this, like, okay, they didn't pan out with your startup, and you have to go back into their workforce, but again, your emotions are shattered. You gotta adhere to someone telling you what to do. How do you go through that? So I truly, truly, deeply believe this because it's implemented in my life, I think unless you're obsessed with an idea, which means that you cannot take it out of your head and it's consumed you, you should not start something, right? Like, 
you can be a ceo of a three member team or you could be a manager of a 500 member influential piece i mean it it comes down to what you're trying to do right Got now it. if you want to be ceo and that's something about pride then i mean it's your life you live that journey but i that's that's what it comes down to i think when you start having a practical conversation with yourself yeah If you want to be CEO, are you sure you're trying to be a founder CEO for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. If it is ego, then it's not going to serve you well, nor is it going to serve your team. Right. Those those people never get anywhere, right? It's very hard to run a business, you know it. Uh-huh. Most of the time the answer is failure. So if you kind of get everything right and your stars align, then it kind of works. Yeah. So why would you kind of infuse that kind of pain on yourself exactly. to be called CEO founder? It's Not correct. Ridiculous. And then titles don't mean shit to be honest. Yeah. Right? But um Yeah, it's just that I, I'm just thinking like, man, that would have been hard. Or at least I did it. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, regardless of your CEO or manager or whatever, you're going to take shit from someone. CEO is not the top of the hill. You have a board to report to. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay, you have a board and you're just part of the board. Lucky if you're chairman of the board. Hopefully you have more and equity. And then you have shareholders right. and you have exactly. everything else. So I, I think if you're trying to run away from answering to somebody, then... Entrepreneurship is not your answer at all. Uh, I truly think in today's world, if you do your job well, very few people will tell you what to do. You know, if yes. you're running something well enough, people are not going to come and interfere. Exactly. Sane people are not going to come and interfere. <laughs> yeah. So there's some insane people. But those are like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you bite them in the neck. I'm just kidding. All right, last question. Bhavna, if you were to talk to someone, to not to someone, to yourself, you're talking from your where you are now. Mm-hmm. Giving advice to your younger self mm-hmm. a couple years back when you're studying in Oman or whatever, what would be your advice for to to, to yourself back then? My my advice is there is that, I mean it just everything was so serious you know like the passion in me was just so intense you know sometimes yeah. these emotions just drive you to do crazy things it drive it drove me to do good yeah but I also think it kind of created heartache and you know such right. such I don't think it's bad. I think it's important yeah. to feel all of this. Well, what you are now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's important to feel all of this. I would just tell myself, it's okay. One life, live it fully. Like there's. You won't change a thing. I would do more. Wow! <laughs> more I, Red Bull. <laughs> I, would, I would. I would. I would do more. You know. I would. Wow. Yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. Because you know that at the end, of, at the end of the rainbow, I'm right. At the end of the day, you're still you're gonna be alright. I would. But, I would. I would travel more. When wow. I was younger, if I would say that, I think I started traveling. I moved locations, but nice. I didn't travel enough. I do think travel changed. Yeah, yeah, I think travel changed my life immensely. So yeah, I would travel when I was much younger. That is amazing. Again, Bhavna, thank you very much for sharing your hustle with us here in Hustle Share. And again, guys, if you're listening to this, don't forget to always pay it back, pay it forward to us. Okay, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening into. And if you're gonna, if you heard any jargon here, it's gonna be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And also, don't forget to follow us in our community and Hustle Share community on Facebook to get first dibs to know who we're gonna be talking to. And of course, message us in our chatbot at m.me/chatbotph powered by I mean m.me/hustleshare powered by chatbotph. And lastly, don't forget to to uh, support all the Pinoy podcasts. On Podcast Network Asia, we're also going to be in Kumu, so watch us out for there and don't forget to download the Kumu app again. Bhavna, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>